0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 20 of the Elevator Chat series of our Canadian journey. I am your co-traveller Darshan Maharaja. As you know, for the past month and a half, housing has been a hot issue in Canadian politics and as a component of this crisis, the aspect of international students putting a demand pressure on housing has also been likewise. A hot button issue. The numbers are dizzying. In 2022, 550,000 international students came to Canada, and in 2023, another 900,000 will have come to Canada by the time the year ends. In the absence of advanced planning for the required housing for these hundreds of thousands of students, The impact of such a large influx is bound to be seismic and because I live in the epicenter of this seismic impact, I can speak to it with a degree of knowledge. Given the severity of this situation, one would expect to see a frank and open debate about the various factors involved. One would also expect the media to spearhead this discussion. Alas, one would also be wrong on both counts. On the political side, this is to be expected, unfortunately, which is why we saw Immigration Minister Mark Miller hem and haw on the matter. After the Housing Minister, Sean Fraser, who was the previous Immigration Minister and contributed to the massive influx of newcomers to Canada, after he had indicated that the number of international students may be capped, But when someone in the media does a half-baked job of presenting the facts and the overall situation to Canadians, it is vastly more serious. And that is the focus of uh, today's episode. Global News had an article by their journalist Uday Rana on this topic on Tuesday. And boy, is it lopsided. In fact, it mostly reads like a press release from Universities Canada the umbrella organization of all the universities in Canada. The article quotes a spokesperson of Universities Canada is saying that, quote, Recent comments conflating international students and the housing crisis are deeply concerning to Universities Canada, end quote. Really? Lady, there is no conflating going on here. The nexus is indisputable assuming that you hold the view that people need housing. But here is the gold nugget. She says that, quote, international students bring important knowledge, diversity and skills to our campuses, communities and workforce, end quote. Let's break this down. These students are, well, students, which means that they have come here to gain important knowledge, hopefully, They didn't bring it with them. Secondly, more Punjabi or Gujarati students in Brampton bring uniformity and not diversity. And even if they do bring the latter, namely diversity in other parts of Canada, how many of them are too many? And what about their most basic needs? Like, you know, a place to live in. And finally, that's the kicker here. She says that the students bring skills. What skills? They work minimum wage jobs, requiring little skills, if any, just to make the ends meet. They are a source of cheap labor for unskilled jobs. Miss Wallace, that's her name. Please don't gaslight me on this point. Because, as Michael Corleone says to Carlo Rizzi in The Godfather, It insults my intelligence. Even the opposing side of the argument that the global news reporter had pretended to present only uh, serves to perpetuate uh, an enduring myth in Canada. He quotes an expert, (laughs) Owen Fay Faraday, a law professor at Osgood Hall Law School and immigration law expert. As saying that the high fees that the international students pay, quote, fill the gap in the underfunding for the public education system, end quote. Everything is always underfunded. In a country with one of the highest rates of taxation on this planet, everything is always underfunded. And we got a great system going here. And to fill the gap, we must rely on often poor kids from other countries so that the underfunding gap gets closed there is no underfunding the most notable omission in that article is the lack of any mention of colleges everything is around universities and i mean both community colleges and for-profit private ones These are the ones that account for the lion's share of the mess. For example, in 2022, colleges in Ontario admitted three and a half times as many international students as the universities in the province did. But in the article, the entire discussion is about universities. Why? Why talk exclusively about something that constitutes only 22% of the picture? A journalist should know that a vast bulk of the problems are in the area of colleges, from the so-called visa mills and strip mall colleges to substandard education and all the rest. This is where the maximum exploitation of these poor kids is going on. By ignoring this elephant in the room, we will pretty much ensure that we won't arrive at a solution to this problem. To be clear, I don't put 100% of the blame on this journalist first off there would have been editorial control over the piece so the editors share the responsibility for this frankly shoddy piece of reporting secondly i think it is likely that the editors thought that this problem is more applicable to students from india or they are largely in focus so they dumped the assignment on a journalist with an indian background perhaps hoping that this would enhance the credibility of their uh, reporting. But talking to a couple of people, one from the university's side and another, who was supposedly meant to provide a counter-argument, which they didn't, the piece continues our glorious tradition of ignoring the most salient factors involved in any important issue. This is a serious weakness as a society. Unless and until we overcome this weakness, we will keep floundering in a sea of mediocrity. I know that's not a very happy note on which to end this episode, but that's where we are. Let me know what you think in the comments. Until we meet again, goodbye and be well.